good afternoon. Good afternoon. I think it would be helpful if we ask Lorraine to go over some of the spiritual points that she held in her awareness while doing this work both as a tape group leader and having a study center. And the input that Joel gave her and the help he gave her and the counsel he gave her. I think we'd all appreciate that. That's a, sort of a big order. I wish I brought my book along <laughs> because I have the letters, many of the letters that Joel wrote me about the study center and the tape group meeting. We began our work with a reading group and we met in our apartment first in the apartment of a friend and then later when she moved away we met in our apartment to read various parts of Joel's books that were available at that time and then it was in uh, 1951, uh, I think, that the first tapes were made available. And Joel sent me a letter about these, and I sent for two of the tapes. That's all the money I had was to buy, be able to buy two tapes at that time. And I was going to share them with a little group that came to our study meetings and then I felt they should be shared more widely because it came to me that other people should hear these tapes so we rented a room at the Palmer house for our tape meetings and there They put a sign on the door of the meeting room. When we came in, it was just a seat, about 25 or 30 people. And Valberg and I carried the big webcore tape recorder up to the room. And when we got to the room, we saw a sign on the door. And it said, infant meeting. <laughs> Well, oh, was that it? The indefinite meeting. But uh, after about, a, I'm just giving you this brief history. After about a month, the Palmer House said that they could not guarantee a regular meeting date because sometimes they needed all of their meeting rooms for conventions. So we wandered about to find another room, and we went to the YMCA and uh, they had a very satisfactory room, and we were just delighted with it. We went down to the first meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and
And I put the tape on, and I turned on the tape recorder, and they had a different kind of current. (laughs) And so it blew the fuse. (laughs) And there was no tape. Now, I had never opened my mouth to say a word about the infinite way or to teach it, you understand. I knew my ignorance, and I kept silent. But here, was, here were people gathered together for a meeting. And what could I do? There was nothing I could do but start to talk, which I did. Well, I'll tell you how successful it was. There were several people who never came back. (laughs) Now, that was my debut as a teacher. (laughs) I realized at the very beginning that there was no one person who was the leader, really. This was particularly at the time we had the reading group, but that the Christ consciousness would bubble over first in one person and then in another. And there was this great feeling of oneness. Joel taught me that I must meditate during the week for the meeting so that I would be so established in the consciousness of the one presence that I would know that there was no one coming to that meeting except the presence of God that there was no one there but that one divine consciousness and that it was the consciousness that was established there in the room that would draw people to that room. The responsibility of the tape group leader was to see that that consciousness of oneness was established and at first to realize that everyone who came into that room would find only love understanding and forgiveness there But later I learned that there was no one ever who had to be forgiven. That everyone who came into that room was that blessed I, that perfect divine consciousness. And we had some beautiful, beautiful meetings. When we had had these meetings for a while, at a rented hall, finally, in the Fine Arts Building, and a soprano, 
up above someplace, was practicing and trying to reach high C <laughs> during the tape. It came to me so strongly that we should have a center, a place of our own. Robert went around to all the buildings in the loop in Chicago to see where we could find a place to meet. And finally, she said she had found a place on Monroe Street and that we were to meet the manager of the building on a Saturday morning. We went there and discovered that he wasn't there. And Robert said, you know, there's another place that I read about at 30 West Washington Street. Why don't we go over there and look at that? And there we went and met the manager who said, what is this kind of a group? You know, it's the hardest thing in the world to define the infinite way to, a, to someone who knows nothing about it. And it's very difficult to say this is a God experience. <laughs> so I said, well, it's a sort of a metaphysical movement. Oh, he said, yes, connected with a hospital. <laughs> Well, he said, I have just the place for you. After waiting all summer long, it finally was made available, and that was in August of 1954, August 17th, 1954, just before the 1954 Chicago Coast class. And it was just a year later, in 19... 55 that Joel came to that center to talk to the students who were there and did that beautiful first anniversary Chicago tape that was in 1955 not 1964 Joel never went to the center in 1964 he did not have time but he was there in 1955. You see, this was a learning experience for me. I was feeling my way. There was so much... No, let me put it this way. There was so little that I knew or understood. But something within me said, you must do this. I was driven to do it. I was impelled from within. And I had no choice but to follow. For years, we played the tapes, and gradually, as my consciousness unfolded, the activity developed. Because you see, a tape group will unfold and develop and deepen in proportion to the consciousness there. It is not a human being who ever draws people. It is the consciousness, that Christ consciousness of one presence and one power that draws people. It was 
later on, many years later, when I was when we were working on the books and the manuscripts, that I began to explain something about the tapes. I began to point out the principles contained in the tapes before they heard the tapes. And it was then that I had a letter from Joel with an across the desk and it was an across the desk in which he said you go to a tape meeting nobody ever says a word the tape is to be introduced there's to be meditation and everyone is to meditate after the tape is played and then to leave so I wrote to Joel and said I'm very thankful for your letter because I have been doing it all wrong. I have been talking, I have been pointing out the principles contained in the tapes. And he wrote back and said, don't use that across the desk. If it gives you that impression, I don't want it used. He said, you go on and do what you are doing. It is only those who are just beginning and who don't understand the principles that have to be given some guidelines. But when students have attained a degree of consciousness, there are no rules and there are no regulations and there are no guidelines. That was the essence of that letter. Are there suggested guidelines? Well, there are. And I've told you what the guidelines are, but then remember, remember this one great principle that Eileen and Virginia and I have spoken of throughout this meeting. The nature of your being, that you have it all within you. Your consciousness is infinite. Your consciousness embodies all the truth that has ever been known and ever will be known. And as you learn to draw from within yourself, you become a law unto yourself. You must be true to that inner vision and if it tells you to do something, you must do it. But only when you have learned to draw forth from your infinite consciousness and from the infinite invisible. I asked Joel when we opened the study center, what should be I put on the door. He said, just put the name, The Infinite Way. So it was Joel who suggested that it be called The Infinite Way. Thank you. Eileen, do you want to answer those? I think perhaps with this question that uh, Lorraine has already 
answered it in part. How does one conduct a study group? Uh, some still loiter after the meditation for a short social talk, and some leave. Is this okay? Uh, it has been my experience with uh, having a, a study group of my own. Uh, in the beginning, I took uh, the scriptural passages and quotations and the study of scripture that Joel had in the beginning years, and we found it most effective when we had, I had the people come to a den in my home, a small den, and because it was a den and just kept for that purpose, uh, they weren't uh, tempted to socialize, and we would just go through our work, finish with the meditation, and I would take them to the front door, and that was it. But when uh, they are in a situation in which there are other things there, like books for sale and uh, uh, a library or something to choose books from, uh, it tends to propagate that. Uh, socializing a bit and staying on a bit behind in the rooms. But it does dissipate the uh, benefits that they receive from the tape if there is too much of that talking and lingering. And I know in some cases uh, in B.C., for instance, that there were uh, groups of citizens that had been gathering for a number of years, senior citizens, I should say, and they were, uh, they looked forward to it because they always had tea and cake. And of course, that became the main thrust of the uh, the meeting and they lost what they had together and that can it can quickly degenerate into a socializing and we try if we're wise to keep the uh, two a little bit separate and have just the tapes and just the studies here's a question that's on the desk do you think it would be proper for tape group leaders to play the tapes of this world work class for their tape groups? Well, I certainly feel that they could set aside a special time other than when they normally have their Joel tapes as a special experience and play these tapes. Don't you, do you feel that way? And no, not particularly. May I just yeah. comment on that? I rather think that that question perhaps stems from uh, something in the May letter where uh, Joel is quoted as um, saying, very narrow-mindedly, I tell our tape group leaders, teachers, and students there must be no literature and no tapes except the message of the infinite way 
and no exceptions to that rule. Do you think you have not had the message of the infinite way here? As far as I can see, this is the infinite way. You will notice that it says the message of the infinite way. It does not say Joel's tapes. You must remember that Joel gloried in every person who went out and carried this message. If you go back to the July 1963 letter and read his across the desk, you will see how he listed all the people who were giving classes, and among them, Virginia Stevenson, Eileen Bowden, and many others. And he said, now with this work and these teachers, the message of the infinite way can expand. You go back to that across the desk in July of 1963. Therefore, I see no reason why it would not be appropriate or proper to pay the tapes of those who are teaching the message of the infinite way. That quotation was only a part of the tape, the um, uh, instruction tape for tape group leaders that was given not at the Chicago Center, but at the hotel when Joel gave his last class. And I'd like to read another excerpt from that tape. He said, in our work, where we are not organized in the sense of living by rules, it is possible to have a minimum amount of rules and at the same time be flexible so that there are occasions when the rules can be disobeyed. There will be specific principles and the use of them, and yet in most cases, it will take someone who really understands the application of these to teach members of their group how to study. This is my comment. That could be the responsibility of the tape group leader. And he goes on and says, from there on, rules become difficult, if not impossible. Because if the tape group leader has developed a healing consciousness, everything will unfold without any instruction from anyone else. As you are called upon for help and give it and have fruitage, your practice develops and there is nothing more to it than that. Healing, practicing, letting the tapes be heard, teaching the use of the monthly letter, and that is about as far as a tape group leader can go. And yet, see how impossible it is to make a rule like that. Because here you are witnessing five of our tape group leaders who have broken all the rules. 
by becoming practitioners, teachers, and lecturers. Can you imagine my making a rule that would bar any one of these five? So you can see that we can only make rules up to and including the playing of the tapes and the starting of the healing work. After that, each one evolves in accord with their own unfoldment, attainment. One thing that I would like to make clear is this, because this illustrates the major revelation of the infinite way. The tapes themselves will not attract groups. Interesting? Our demonstration is the activity of our state of consciousness. And an infinite way student must acknowledge this. I'd like to... <clears throat> I'd like to say something here, a comment on that. We had a tape uh, study center for seven years, and it was always the fullest when I took a book and taught from it. You remember that, Lorene? And how on Wednesday, we had a tape Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, I went chapter, chapter through book, and we, Arthur had to let his secretary go on Wednesday afternoons, and we filled all the offices up. And then when I'd go away on a travel, I left it with several students who were not yet spiritually evolved in the healing ministry and when I came home there was two or three there and that uh, it just dwindled off and they were dedicated beautiful students but they had not developed the healing consciousness and uh, so that just is what was said in that very, very true and Joel said to me, you will never develop a large group simply by playing tapes. Mm -hmm. Even right. with the tapes, he said. They're... Oh, he wanted so much to see people developing as teachers. He did. He was pushed all of us far, <laughs> pushed me before I had any real foundation my foundation came in having a study center because that's when I proved the principle I have I I have an inner mana and I can pay I can see the rent come forth I'm not looking to somebody to finance me this is the demonstration of Emmanuel God with us and this is the freest, most wonderful place to prove this principle. Agree. Very I have to agree. Any of us that went that route realized that uh, we got where we were because Joel always pushed us beyond our known limits. And I think Eileen was pushed in her children's letter and that was her development and it was wonderful 
And it still is. So seeds are growing. So now you're going... Uh, we're sharing this with you because it applies to each one of you in your own affairs. Even though you may not be having a, a tape group at the moment, if you are doing other work, as, as some of you are now, you've had tape groups in the past and have moved on into other situations, uh, you push yourself even without Joel around, you can pretend he's there looking over your shoulder, and go beyond your known limits, on into the, beyond the boundary of material sense into spiritual sense. Uh, I remember a reading from Meister Eckhart in which he said that you always keep yourself open to the gifts of God and always expecting more gifts that they are never going to end. And that's the attitude with which we go on in our work because there cannot be boundaries when it's called the infinite way. My answer on these. Um, I think this one has been pretty well answered. Occasionally I attend an evening tape group, but given by an Infinite Way student, uh, oh no, this is a different one, sorry, at, uh, at a, a lone meeting room, and she turns off all the lights, leaving only a night light on uh, in an adjoining hall. I feel very uncomfortable about this, especially when new students come for the first time, many of whom never return. I don't, I don't know if I have a right to say anything. Please comment. Uh, I would certainly like to comment. I would suggest that you uh, take it to that leader uh, that uh, it's an invitation for people to fall asleep. Uh, when people are new to meditating, they uh, get so relaxed and comfortable that they don't keep that alertness within themselves that's necessary in meditation, and they will fall asleep if, if you encourage them by putting out the lights. So that I would certainly mention that to her. Uh, she's probably not aware, or maybe she takes a little snooze herself. I I hadn't thought of that possibility. <laughs> but in all fairness to the what the activity is about, I think it should be mentioned because no one will receive the full benefit from it. Uh, may I make just one other comment about that? Uh, we did have a problem at our study center with people falling asleep. <laughs> and I worked on it and meditated to realize that uh, the aliveness and awakeness of consciousness, but evidently didn't go deep enough, or maybe I did because the answer did come. 
I began playing the tape. This is before I ever said anything, you understand. And I would play a part of it, and I would come to a part that I thought was a particularly significant. And I'd say, stop the tape and say, did you catch that? And then I'd rewind just that little bit and play it over again and then go on. I didn't say anything, you understand, but I broke the mesmerism of whatever it was that was handling them. Ellen does that. Well, I have a, question, a couple of questions here about being coming a teacher. If you're a tape group leader and do not feel called to be a t teacher, how do you respond to people who bring you questions that they expect you to answer? And another one about how, what to do to become a teacher. Joel told me to do this. He said, people will come to you and want to ask you questions. And you say, now let us take that into meditation and see what comes to us by next week. And that's a very good way to answer it because usually it's answered. You see, through the meditation, the question is answered. Let them have the opportunity, and it's a spiritual opportunity to learn to go to the center, the source. The source is your own individual consciousness, and if you will just turn within sufficiently and long enough, the answer will come. Do you have any comments on that? No. I don't How do I become a teacher? Don't ever wish for that. <laughs> it isn't anything to to want. Don't you know how Joel said, "Don't go into this until some something takes you that it takes you by the neck and pushes you," because he said it's a hard life. He said it's a hard, hard life, and it is. But how do you become a teacher? There is no one to authorize you as a teacher. We have no organization. But you become a teacher when people begin to turn to you for teaching. That's the only way I know of, of becoming a teacher. And how do you, why is it that people turn to you for teaching? They turn to you because your own consciousness is unfolding. And I like to feel that the people who become a part of my experience in any way are really my own consciousness unfolding. That's why we don't try ever to draw people to us. We don't have to. Those who are our own find us always. I'd like to make a comment on that, if I may. Uh, we become teachers when we're willing to be taught. Uh, teaching is like motherhood, I have found, that you learn about being a mother by being one, and it grows, and you learn the answers by being a mother. And teaching is exactly the same. You learn 
by uh, the you're taught by the doctrine as jesus said the uh those who are seeking the truth they're taught as they go on and they are they're just as joe freely admitted to all of us we're always just one head a step ahead of the student and he used to say that to us and that at some time we might be up where he was and, and, and uh, taking our turn of keeping one step ahead. That was it. Thank you. Yes. I believe there is a grace, a state of consciousness that is a teaching consciousness. And I believe it settles in on someone. It descends upon them. And I don't know why or how, but when it comes, it comes. And you have no choice then? And you have no choice, that's no. right. I felt at the 64 Chicago class when Joel put all the teachers on the platform. I was so frightened when I looked at all those people. And when I just had to completely surrender, and before that surrender, I heard within myself, I will put the words in your mouth. And that's the way my teaching has worked. First, I wasn't always coherent. First, I didn't finish my sentences. Sometimes I didn't get the right verb in. And if you watch me, sometimes my eyes are closed. Sometimes my head is cocked. I'm listening. But it is a teaching consciousness. And it only operates when there has been a demand through those who are sincere. I've had lots of people ask me questions and things. When they're not sincere, nothing comes to me. Haven't you? Oh, yes. So I think it's... Uh, I don't... Uh, I never anticipated such a thing but I think that there Joel said to me what are you to do and I said light a flame and he said yes light a flame and I think that is the real teaching consciousness in one sense like we are doing now what Well, here, the question, lead us not into temptation. What does that mean? Just this. Let me not be tempted by human concepts of good or evil. And when I see someone who I feel has a, such a potential for the Christ, and I see that they are falling for some human concept and making a detour for me not to say something 
is very difficult. So, and when you say something, it's evilly spoken of. I mean, it's often misinterpreted. So I find this kind of teaching where you, on a personal shepherding level, difficult, and I find it very, that it interferes with my healing practice. When I don't know people, I'm a better practitioner. When I know nothing about them, I'm a better practitioner. I want to say this, too, about teaching. I had to learn that I wasn't doing it. That there was that spirit within that did it. And the agony, and it was agony, it's sometimes it still is, that I go through before a class is to get me out of the way. So there's no me. There's only that one I. And sometimes I'll sit up on the platform meditating before the class. And then my thought, my one feeling is, just before I begin, God, let it roll. You let it roll. I say it to myself. God, you let it roll. And it does. It does. Because that's the whole, that's the whole secret, I think, of knowing that we don't do it. And I know that these two gals know that so well, that we are not the teachers ever. We're just that instrument through which it's pouring. And... The only reason there's any agony is because we clog the channel a little bit. And you know, Joel went through agonies. You don't, you'll never know how he suffered before he gave a class. Think of what it means to get up on a platform, especially, well, of course, it was wonderful here because we, we each had a very short time. But when you have a whole week of work ahead of you, and you don't know what's going to come through. And you think, my God, will it? Will it come through? Be careful, Lorraine. You might be sounding the death knell of teachers. In the <laughs> I might be what? Sounding the death knell of two teachers. <laughs> Do you have any comment? <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> I have a wonderful husband, and he always tells me, now you know who's doing it. Relax. And I have a question here. My husband and I are working, sharing the infinite way with those who are attracted. However, I hold back many times in my work because my husband feels that I am in competition with him. I don't know, you know, you don't know what he feels. 
we can't ever really know ourselves. It may appear that way. I know that in this way there is no competition. I want to give more and sh having and have a calling to give more, but I hold back. He's my husband, a wonderful spirit, but he has difficulty letting go of the cultural male dominance over woman. Help me. Well, you know that 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 I asked Joe many years ago the, when I first went to him how I could help Arthur and not that he was dominating over me in any way but I just wanted to be helpful. I just wanted I wanted him to grow and go along with me and I just wanted to know how to work. And you know what he told me? Every day, no, there is no male ego. That's what he said. That is a claim put on men. Now women are t trying to be like men, and they're going to find out that they're going to wake up with an ego problem too. And so let's, I think your daily work here is to know that there's no male ego or female ego. There's only one ego, and that's God appearing as husband and wife, one. And that, and then you'll find that you'll blend, and there will be no, uh, we always blended, in beautifully, but I wanted the, that spiritual, wonderful union to come forth. And I feel that if wives would do that, it would, you'd see great fruitage because that's a universal ma uh, malpractice, the belief that there is a male ego that has to be the provider, be the uh, the father, be the king, and has to be the one that does everything. Just think of the load a man would carry. To think he, because that when he can release himself to the one ego, to the fatherhood of God, then the true husbandman will come forth which is so beautiful, that lovely, nourishing, gentle, sustaining, loving relationship, which has lots of strength in it. And uh, it's been a wonderful, and I know that, that it's just as true with the woman. There's, she has to be aware that there can be no competition if there's only one. There really can't. There's just one ego, one self, and that's God. And it God appears as male and female. And in that appearing, there is harmony. Do you have anything to add to that? 
there is something that I can add. When um, anyone is being prepared for uh, being a teacher, uh, this consciousness descending as that Virginia is talking about, if they're married, they're usually provided with uh, a mate that goes along with that, is very supportive of that. And uh, that seems to be part of the grace, part of the providence of that teaching consciousness, that this is the way it's taken care of. That was my experience, it was Virginia's experience, and it will be the experience of those who have that preparation for being a teacher. Thank you. Shall we have a meditation? Thank you. And let's uh, remind you that Joe has that wonderful tape which he gave in 1964 that Lorraine read from, and it might be helpful.